Well, welcome. Man. It's been a while. It's been a minute. It's been three months. It's been three months. It's, it's a long time. June. Yeah, I think it's been three months. Yeah. Welcome back to the couch date, everyone. I guess you could say we took a summer break. That's exactly what we did. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It was a nice summer break. It was intentional. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, totally planned. And here we are mm-hmm. for another date. We both got beverages. Tell the people, tell the daters what you're drinking. I'm drinking Umka um, hot drink. <laughs> Umka hot drink. <laughs> Good for you. It's a homeopathic remedy that we sell at my store. Mm-hmm. Some call it sugar pills, snake oils, but it's warm and lemony. So, wow! I believe it will cure me. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. I'm drinking quite the opposite. Eh, maybe not the opposite, mm-hmm. but I'm drinking a smoothie, almond milk base, add some banana, throw in some sun butter, like salt bay. No, we are not. And strawberries. And we have a beautiful, almost PB&J, but a SB&J smoothie. Yeah. It's amazing. It's disgusting. So yummy. Uh-huh. Good. Mm-hmm. Great. Well, babe, tell the people. Tell the people. what. Uh, give, give them three updates. Three updates Me? since we have last had a pod. I'll give them three updates if you give them four updates. I can give them four and cool. a half. Great. Half an update? <laughs> mm, maybe a half an update would be like telling them something they already know. So it's not really an update. Or half an update could be just being like... Something has occurred. Something's happening pretty soon. <laughs> but then you don't say what it is. That's it. Yeah, that's, that's good. Well, the kids started school. So that was a crazy time. We accidentally put Nico in the wrong school. <laughs> so we have three kids going to three different schools right now. That's a long story. Um, but it's been busy. Um, I have a new role, you could say, at my work. She got promoted. It's not she got promoted. Exactly a promotion yet, but. There's promotions maybe in process. Right. Literal Linda over here. Um, but it is a new role and a new schedule and things like that. So I am um, excited about that. Um, but it's been busy because of that because I've been kind of taking over new stuff. So, um, yeah, I felt very overwhelmed and busy past few weeks because of those two things. Yeah. 
Um, the last few months before that, the main reason we stopped podcasting um, for a bit was because we got super busy with family. Um, and my sister who was in the hospital. So that was all of July and August. Um, we kind of were just like slammed with family stuff, taking care of, taking care of family, visiting whenever I had free time, etc. And so that was a huge huge thing that happened um but as of two days ago my sister got to go home from the hospital which is a miracle so that was really really cool i actually texted her today great she texted back so it was cool that's awesome that's really great um we're recording this in the afternoon and most of you probably don't tell the difference because normally we record all our podcasts in the evening. And some of you are like, man, you guys sound really tired. And you've said that after listening to previous episodes. Hannah still sounds very tired and it's in the afternoon. So that's just how I am. Beg your pardon. Get used to the sloth. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't sound tired. Dude, you sound so tired. You sound so tired. That's just my brain. I've uh, always been like that. Y- yeah, but there are times when, you know, afternoon your voice sounds a bit more awake. But as of right now, you still sound so tired. So, so, so tired. Uh, updates on my end. Wow. Um, I bleached my hair. Yes. And <laughs> it was very spontaneous. Hannah had colored JL's hair and was like, can I color your hair, please? Please, please, can I color your hair? And it just so happened that the following week after she had convinced me or peer pressured me. It was actually like two days later. Into bleaching my hair a couple days later, we had went to see the Barbie movie. So It was inspired. Yeah. Hannah was a bit inspired. And so we went and saw the Barbie movie. Amazing. It's a great movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one update. Another update is, man, what has happened in the past few months? On my end, I've been like stay-at-home dad. Mm-hmm. You know, working remotely, so I work from home. But while Hannah has been really busy, your schedule, your schedule was really busy in summer. And not only was it really busy, but you were like, your schedule kind of wasn't consistent. Yeah, and for a month, at least a month, like all of July, every time I had free time, I was going to the hospital. So I wasn't home. Or we were having family over and it was real busy. So I really tapped into the uh, stay at home dad slash work from home dad mode. And it's been the worst, people. Um, wow. <laughs> it, You're good at it, babe. I'm good at it, but yeah. Anyways, that's another update. Another update um, in regards to our life is... 
we're changing the name of our church community. Is this a half an update? That'll be the half. <laughs> yeah. Changing the name of our church community. That'll be the half. To be continued. And, yeah, sure. And then let's see the fourth one. Um, the fourth update is I've been training like a madman with long distance running. And it's been really beautiful and really good for my heart, for my mental health. Been really good reclaiming that. When I first met Hannah, mm-hmm. I ran five to six miles almost every day, um, all the time. Uh, literally, literally almost every day. And so that's something that I loved because when I was running, that was a beautiful time to spend with Jesus and praying and stuff like that. So it's been cool to kind of pick that up with an old friend. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of convinced you to stop running, huh? Yeah, you kind of did. You kind of. Well, partially, I didn't convince you, but I just, you just always wanted to be with me. Yeah. And you yeah. didn't want to ever go running because you were too busy hanging out with me and yeah. kissing me. All the good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but then also I was like, don't go running. It's boring. Stay here with me. Yeah. So I mean, my long runs would take 40 minutes to an hour and a half. So it was like, and then stretching afterwards. So it's literally... A chunk of time away. I wasn't used to anyone doing independent things like that. You weren't used to anybody doing anything. Yeah. Besides sitting around. Yeah. Meandering. <laughs> yeah. The high class life. Those sipping. Those things um bring me tea. joy. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, thanks for the updates, babe. Thank That's you. That's awesome. Thank you, babe. Yeah. Thank you. And thanks for all the love to the people who have been watching. Super excited to pick this back up. Listening, you mean? I mean, watching, listening, yes. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Listening to the podcast. Um, where do you want to start? I know we have some tea to, un- to sort of un- unravel. Unravel. And if you want to just go right into that, I think we can. It's mixing some metaphors. some tea for tea time spill tea yes while you sip you don't unravel tea okay fine that's true um no but i'm let's i think we should just jump and then wherever we go cool you jump i jump let's both jump ready let's count to three we'll jump okay one two Three, jump. Uh, did you jump? I think so. Okay. In my mind, I visualized it. You're I was, totally... I was holding your hand and I was like, cannonball. Yeah. I, I jumped. I thought I was going to wait, you know, like when the people are like, jump. And then there's the person who stays behind and they're like, I didn't go. That's totally you. I usually do that. Yeah. But, and I thought I was going to. Yes. But I think I jumped. Yes. <laughs> And just a total side note, um, we're now entering into the fall season here in downtown Seattle. Love fall for so many reasons. I actually appreciate fall more as I get older. 
Mm. Which is very interesting. My influence, maybe? Could be your influence. I also think it's just season of life. Mm-hmm. I, I enjoy it a whole lot because it kind of like we get to slow down and settle in as family from yeah. a busy, busy summer. Yeah. So fall is approaching, winter is coming, mm. and fall and winter have a lot of beautiful things. But one of the things that I am becoming very uh, unexcited for is, dude, you layer up so much. <laughs> And I don't get the ick from it, but it literally is an annoyance. You come out like imagine a Michelin man. Oh, but imagine if Michelin man wasn't, you know, that wasn't the body. Like Mm -hmm. for those of you who don't know who Michelin man is, it's like almost like the marshmallow from the OG like Ghostbusters movie. Mm -hmm. Um, Like like you're tire guy you're not your your body is not michelin man but when you layer it's almost like you turn into michelin man got it and i'm not i'm like so already annoyed by it like right now what's wrong with right now you're wearing a winter coat i'm not wearing a winter coat it's a jean jacket yeah with with fur fur. but it's not winter boots this is all season and you're wearing a beanie and you're wrapped up in a blanket and it's like 70 degrees out right now no it's not 70 well it's it's, gotta be 65 okay 65 degrees it's below 70 and you're you're starting to put on your layers to become the michelin man and while i respect that it is one of my least favorite things about fall. If you keep it warm in the house, I won't. But right now it's chilly in here. Okay. Anyways, side note. Side note over. I don't like to be cold. Yeah. I also don't like to be hot. Yeah, you I like are, to be perfect at all times. It's like you already are someone who a woman going through menopause. I'm already eighty years old. You <laughs> are not 80 years old you are going through menopause like i need to be wheeled out with the blankie over my lap your range of ideal temperature is very small yeah and it is you're irritable and it's very annoying it's like borderline ick like if there was the level of annoyance wow or if ick if ick had a cousin mm-hmm. that's what i feel whatever that cousin is mm. maybe there's ick and dick wow I was you give me that. dick all the time uh, no that's a different cousin <laughs> i was thinking there's yucky which is like ick but that's more like legit yucky right and then there, i was thinking slinky i don't know why i thought slinky blinky slinky i don't know slinky. i think it's a cousin but hmm. i don't know what his job is it can slinky. Yeah, slinky does something, but that's not that's not relevant to what we're doing today. I feel it. I I, I like that. Let's I go with. I don't know. Is another. There's a lot no, of cousins. Hmm. Slinky works. Um, I don't Rick? think it Rick? necessarily. I feel like Rick is a cousin. Is it? And there's Rick. I don't. I don't think I'm ricking right now though. Yeah. I don't know. 
But here's where we're going to go for the remainder of this podcast. There's so many different places that we can touch. But a few mm-hmm. weeks ago, Intimate. I had posted something on social media and it was quite the rave. <laughs> Actually, a lot of our podcast, a lot of the daters are those that commented. Oh, really? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So you know who you are out there. Um, But I had posted something on August the 30th. It was really dramatic. And it started off as a story on Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. And I had reposted something from Sean King. Mm -hmm. Um, By the way... Sean King, and I've sent screenshots to you of him and I having conversations. He is such a kind, like, kind-hearted, gentle, but also super humble man of God. It's crazy. I don't even know who he is. You do know who Sean King is. I I see the the stories. I don't know who he is. You've never seen his face? Uh, Yeah, he is African-American. I believe his story is that um, he's a mixed, he's a mixed guy, white, white mom, black dad, I'm pretty sure. And he was, he grew up in culture, in the culture. So deep in African-American culture. Uh-huh. Um, and sadly had a sort of stereotypical uh, African-American upbringing where his father was locked up and his mom mm. wasn't there really much. So he had grown up. Um, anyways, that's Sean King. But Sean King is like, I don't know if I could say this, but in my opinion, this is just my simple opinion, my humble opinion, is he's kind of like our modern day Martin Luther King in hmm. a way. I've only heard... I've only seen stories reposted of his. I've never seen like anything about him. Yeah. Except one time years ago, I heard something negative about him. But that's it. What was the negative thing? Do you remember? That he was just. I don't. I don't remember details. I just remember someone was saying he was like a fraud and all that. But I didn't look into any of that. I don't know what's true and what's not. Yeah, that's the story that's constantly being uh, perpetuated about him. But him, because he always puts up like um, GoFundMe's uh, for the cause that he's all about, like racial justice, things like that. Like, for example, the most recent GoFundMe that he put on was uh, there were four beautiful black babies who lost their mother to a shooting. And so the father wasn't in the picture. And so Sean King was like, here's the story. And he literally put like, y'all know what to do. And they wanted to raise, I think $50,000 or something like that. But they ended up raising like $400,000 or something like for these babies. Mm -hmm. And so what, conservative media and conservative news stations and though who literally hate the guy mm-hmm. they keep cycling this story that he's a fraud that all of that money he t- 
takes a portion for himself, all that stuff. And I choose to believe him. I choose to believe uh, Lee Merritt, who is another, who's a lawyer. Um, Lee Merritt is the one that like kind of led the legal thing for George Floyd, for Ahmaud Arbery, for Breonna Taylor. Um, so Sean King is sort of a like social justice side as in being the the public voice. Lee Merritt is the guy who partners up with Sean King and Lee Merritt is the lawyer. And he take care he he's the one who either represents these people or gets teams in local cities to represent the cause. Hmm. So back to the thing. Mm-hmm. I repost Sean King's story and it says um, exclusive. It's a news art, a news, news, news post exclusive. First Ugandan charge with aggravated homosexuality punishable by death. And mm-hmm. so a 20 year old man was charged and his life charged with being punishable by death for this, what they're labeling as aggravated homosexuality. Mm-hmm. All I posted was, quote, this is so heartbreaking, dot, 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 so tragic. And then I also posted, thankful to live in a city where the marginalized, such as the LGBTQ plus community, are safe and supported to flourish. Mm-hmm. All I posted. The following day, on the 31st, I received a message from a church leader mm-hmm. younger than us, mm-hmm. from a white man. Now, mm-hmm. all of these factors play in. And he replied, Hey, Joey, are you guys still Foursquare pastors? I know blank lost his license over the issue dot dot dot. So go ahead. You pick up from there. Yeah. So I share all of that Mm -hmm. and then it turns into this thing. But yeah. What do you think about that so far? In the timeline of all of this. I think what's crazy is that it's like the 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 topic at hand you know um he could have addressed something specific about the topic that you mentioned um mm. like there are details to that case that he could have like brought up if he really wanted to um to discuss but that's not even what he was responding to like he didn't care about the case but the story of the man in U- Uganda you said right um he didn't care about that he just was saying I see basically I see what you said about the LGBTQ community flourishing he didn't he didn't say those words but I'm assuming this is what he's jumping off of and just being like are you still foursquare because people have lost their license over this issue. Right. And it's like, that's what he chose to focus on, not 
the entire point of your story, which was just that it, that circumstance and responding to it. He didn't even care about any of that. He just wanted to jump into a discussion about being affirming or not. Right. Um, that's, that's what's wrong. That's one thing that's wrong with it. Yep. That's, that's one thing that's wrong with this picture is that he's not even, and this, what happens so often is people just respond to an to argue or to like, to be like, Hey, let's talk about this affirming issue without even having some kind of response to the story or, you know, it's like, you don't have to respond, but if you're going to respond, it's like disrespectful almost to just be like, yeah, who cares? So anyway, let's talk about affirming. Right. Like, how about you say like, wow, that's, that's terrible. You know, like respond to the story. Like it's a person. You're not even responding to it. So that's like one thing that's wrong is that it just becomes a launching point for theology rather than looking at an actual person's story. Right. I think also just the side note, like it doesn't really matter for the point of topic that we're talking about right now, but it's just like someone had brought up, oh, the details of that case were um, a case of like um, aggravated homosexuality, meaning like a assault of, of type. Right. So essentially which, the, the real story was two men who were, 20 or young 20s one the, the one who is in the article that has been charged with aggravated homosexuality is 20 and there was another one, guy that was with him and they had essentially assaulted a man who um had down syndrome mm-hmm. and so that's the, the story yeah what's crazy about that or do you, you can go ahead and finish no i was just gonna say that that the story itself is like there's details to it that you could maybe say oh like that's not good that's not you know like that's that's which someone pointed like, out to we me. shouldn't be supporting that which whether lgbtq or not like it doesn't matter you wouldn't you wouldn't support that either way well here's what's crazy is uh somebody did respond that to me uh, and, and you saw that you actually responded back to them as well. Mm-hmm. But I had been, I have, I have been following, uh, um, what's happening in Uganda right now Yeah, with all of the LGBT, LGBT, um, plus laws. Yeah. That's my, that's my, I mean, that's what I'm saying is like the details of this specific case, that's a whole other story. That's a whole other issue. Exactly. Where it's like, oh, okay, that may have been this or that or this or that. But the point is, this is happening as a whole. Yeah. That there is an oppression happening. Yes. Whether this story or not was an accurate, like, display. Yeah. Is not the point. And... So I just wanted to say that as like a side note, like that's not really the point. This specific story was not the point. Right. But the point was 
at the time you posted not necessarily knowing like the specifics of that story, but that you're like, oh man, this is heartbreaking what's happening in Uganda to the LGBTQ community. And that was the point. And that is what, that is what we're talking about right now. Right. And that this person responded to, they didn't even care about the case details. They didn't bring those up. It was more just like, oh, you're affirming. And what's, what's interesting to point out also is if you look at all of the laws that if you actually look, um, you could study on Google, there had been major shifts in the politics in Uganda around March. It's when it all started to go out where the Uganda publicly announced, and this was covered by BBC, which is how I, why I've been following, um, because I follow BBC. And BBC had said Uganda has gotten essentially really strict about their laws and people have been protesting in Uganda Mm. saying that this is totally uncalled for. Like, for example, this case could have been simply seen as two men assaulting another person Mm -hmm. and this other person happened to have Down syndrome. Mm -hmm. Um, His Down syndrome definitely plays in now do we know that these two men attacked this person because he had Down syndrome? All of that, it, we'll leave that up to the law. My big point is like, why label this as aggravated homosexuality mm-hmm. when it simply could have just been assault? Yeah. And this has been the, this has been what the Uganda yeah. government has been pushing. Now, fast forward, the underpinnings of all of that is Uganda has recently gone through some political changes because they got a new, I don't know if it's a, I don't know if it's a governor, I don't know if it's a president, whatever, but this new, um, this new person in power has been essentially um, largely influenced by Christianity and this Christianity mm-hmm. that has been for the past couple decades has has become has has been because of the influence of white evangelicalism. So white white missionaries came over, or missionaries came over, and they started to teach white evangelicalism. Yeah, and now we see literally decades of fruit to where literally um i think it's 90 percent of uganda professes that they are christian 90 mm. percent it's a large person and yeah. to the blind eye we'll say like the the western christian church could say that's incredible mm-hmm. that's amazing but how is it being the question we should be asking is how is that being lived out? Mm-hmm. Like, how is that Christianity being embodied in Uganda? Yeah. And right now, it's being embodied in politics in that something that could have been just been easily labeled as assault is being politically charged as aggravated homosexuality. Mm-hmm. So while somebody could say, there are details to this case that doesn't apply to your post, Joey. 
Mm-hmm. Well, I would respond back. Actually, this has been something that's been unfolding for decades. Mm-hmm. And the fruit of what's been unfolding has been Christianity at work mm-hmm. or white evangelicalism. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, I mean, that's a good point because you could say that like it doesn't really matter what the case itself is, but you could even just look at the headline and that's all that. That's all you, you need to say. That's all you need to see that like that that verbiage is what's a huge part of what's wrong. Yeah. But yeah, so this person responded with no um, compassion, no um, care for the issue or the person or the, you know, any of that, but just so this looks like this person has a troubling theology I better, you know, I better address it. Yeah. <laughs> can can you can you talk through why why is it so important to respond with compassion rather than responding with like policing theology? Yeah. Theology always should come second or third, maybe even to like the person so if there's something going on like you should always be responding to the heart the person the pain um before you are responding to theology um and i grew up in that environment though like i grew up in the church where you are you are you are policing each other and yourself to make sure you're never saying the wrong thing right and that you're always having the very most like perfect and um just like it lines up perfectly with the majority of scriptures you know that we've at least as a church elevated yeah right because every church is going to elevate different ones yeah but the scriptures that we as a church have elevated those ones and then we're making sure everything we do and say lines up with those ones and if other people are doing things and saying things that don't line up with those ones that we're correcting them or we're you know fixing the problem right Um, and I grew up with that sort of culture and just the the constant like watching what you say, watching what people say it, and then either like judging them for it because it's like it means that they they aren't um, as Christian as you. Mm. You know, if they're if they're flawed, if their mm. theology is flawed then they they haven't studied the bible as much they don't know jesus as much they mm. don't they don't go to church as much they don't um listen as well and they're not obedient like you are mm. you know, if they have mistakes wow so all of that stuff like really deeply matters because it really is the only thing that matters is that what you're taught you know, it's kind of like, this is what matters. This is what we're after. Why are we here? Why do we gather? Why do we do what we do? 
to have perfect theology. Wow. That's why we do it. So it's like, this is our, this is our everything. Mm -hmm. And then when we minister to other people, it's to give them perfect theology. It's to then pass on that perfect theology. Yeah. That's like the way that it truly is. And I don't think people think of it that way, but that really is what is happening. Mm. It's like, I'm forming my theology. I'm passing on my theology. Um, and that's lit- I'm perfecting my theology. No, that that literally, that literally captures the heart of that word conservative Christianity. Mm-hmm. Like the whole idea at the heart of conservative Christianity is you want to conserve truth mm-hmm. and, and pass it. it down so that truth will be conserved. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so. So this, I think they, that the majority of people don't realize like this is their, this is their heart. This is their ministry. Like this is what they're doing. And Mm. they, they don't, they wouldn't say it though in those words, like I just said, but that is what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And that is their ministry. Mm -hmm. And I think that what we've come to learn, um, and just remove ourselves from that mindset is that, you know, the ministry is people. Yeah. And what we're passing on is not necessarily an elevated, perfect theology, but just a, um, I would say what I'm passing on is a um, confidence in Christ or a relationship that is accessible mm. like that's kind of my verbiage mm. but it's just like I want to pass on to you the confidence that you can have in Christ mm. I want to pass on to you the um, the accessibility wow of God Wow. So that to me is like, I think everyone maybe would spin that like a little differently. But for me, that's the way I like kind of see it. Yeah. Because it's, it's, it's like, it's like when you introduce, you know, your, you know, you have an old best friend, but you introduce them to your new friend, you know? Mm. So you're wanting to connect the two together. Mm. You're like, look, like you guys can be friends too. Right. That's exactly what it is. Mm. Like that's all ministry is. That's so good. That's so good because I think my personal opinion is there is a place for wanting to have integrity in what you're teaching. Mm-hmm. Wanting to be a person that not only is teaching the scripture accurately with honor, but m- most of all, like communicating the heart of God in scripture, mm-hmm. all that stuff. Um, but that can that should be married to like the greater concern, mm-hmm. the greater concern, which is kind of. Um, Man, compassion for people, compassion, yeah, compassion for Christ, um, or on behalf of Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, so 
I think the the issue, like I said at hand, was that it's like you're jumping in to have uh, to correct a theology or to have a discussion that would then lead to a correction, you know, and um, a lot of that issue, too, is that this person is someone you've probably last time you talked to them was like maybe two years ago. Literally, the last time I talked to him was him correcting how vocal I was about George Floyd. Yeah, this is like... And then the time before that was, you know, two or three years. Yeah. yeah. So it's not like someone who's your close friend who really, like, wants to, hey, let's talk. Like, that's part of the big issue, too. Yeah. It's like, yeah, sure, we can always go to each other with things and, like, discuss. But that's within relationship. Like, we had... We had great, some great like conversation back and forth on that post in Insta. Like it was mm. really beneficial. Some people, you know, I think majority of people um, were like in agreement with us. Mm-hmm. There were a couple that were sharing their perspective, kind of not necessarily pushing back, but just having a discussion. Yeah. And I, it was so good. Yeah. The difference is those people you know, entered in with humility and a spirit of like, you know, diversity of thought. Like, here's where I think, here's my perspective, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. Where this person just entered straight out the gate within how I received it as a total disregard to the original point of my post. Like this person is not stupid. Mm-hmm. They're very philosophical. Mm-hmm. Um, they actually like pride themselves on that. So I'm like, I know you're not dumb, dude. Mm-hmm. I I know you're picking up on the point. Mm-hmm. So that's why I was like, why are you disregarding this? Two, there's the subtle threat. Yeah, it is like a threat. Like, too. you know, this person lost their license over this issue. Mm-hmm. And in my mind, I'm like, in light, it, seriously, in light of what we're doing in the kingdom of God, my license means nothing. Yeah. Means nothing. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, I don't need a license. Mm-hmm. I don't need an ordination. Mm-hmm. All of that stuff is, it's, it's literally just the fruit of studying, the mm-hmm. fruit of like accomplishing a college career mm-hmm. and then you get those things or like whatever but beyond that yeah. doesn't mean anything mm-hmm. and so that was my perspective was like you're right there there was no relational equity mm-hmm. which is the first thing like alarming thing yeah because there was no relational equity i received it as like you're not listening and you're threatening yeah you're not safe at that point because not only do you not, you know, you're not responding and listening and caring about the thing that I've said, but you've found a piece that you can now use right. to fight me, like <laughs> ph- philosophically fight, or, yeah. you know, the- theologically fight and threaten that's not someone who's safe to talk to. Yeah. Like period. 
in that um when we were first were uh on staff at that church the mm-hmm. big church in fed someone um had worked there for about a year a young woman who's our age um she i think she might be like a year or two older than me so she's like 38 39 something like that maybe 40 mm-hmm. at most and she had messaged me over facebook and i i told you this um she'd messaged me over facebook and was essentially like thanking me for posting that and sharing how how hurt she was by people like that from the church that we were at wow um and she said this is literally where she shared her story and i later on in the messages was like I feel so honored that you would like share that story with me. Mm-hmm. But she had shared how she had been physically um, physically abused by her ex-husband who those two were attending that church. Mm. And her being on staff shared it with other staff members and they gaslighted her mm. and made it about, you know, what what are you doing mm-hmm. in the marriage? And they soon left, they moved away. Mm-hmm. That's why they left that church because they moved away like across the country mm-hmm. and they eventually got a divorce and she got remarried and so she shared all that stuff with me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is um, two polar, two great like case studies mm-hmm. of the danger of white evangelicalism. Mm-hmm. Is there is one person who is blind to the compassion of Christ for all people. And then there's another person who's been victimized by those who are blind to the compassion of Christ for all people. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. Anything you want to say on that before I kind of get into something else? Um, no, I think that um, I think that was pretty much. It, um, I do need to take a quick break. Let's take a quick break, friends. (laughs) Yeah. Let us take a break. We'll be right back. back thank you for that little pause (laughs) but okay this is where i want to get into for the last bit and then we're going to wrap up today um is someone in later in the post who i want to divulge the connection between the two people but i won't um, but someone later in the post 
started to push back and literally said the same thing to me being like, has your theology changed, Joey? <laughs> is it is it different than what Foursquare believes? Mm-hmm. Um, and he addressed something twice, maybe three times, but I, I could think of twice in his him and I's back and forth. And his, he addressed saying something like, "I'm not white. I'm brown." But blah 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Blah 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 blah. I want to really quickly um, give a textbook definition for white evangelicalism. Mm-hmm. So you and I have always known why what people refer what people are referring to when they're talking about white evangelicalism. Mm-hmm. But after you know. I've been so vocal about it and I know what it means and I post things often in objection to white evangelicalism because that's kind of like I feel like one of my one of my main passions as a person as Mm -hmm. a pastor as a Jesus person um, that's one of my main passions is to sort of tear down all of the strongholds of white evangelicalism in the Western church. Mm-hmm. Um, so many of the problems, so much of the trauma, so much of the church hurt, it stems from the ideology, theology of white evangelicalism. Yeah. So I looked up and read a whole bunch of stuff and here's what I found. I actually found a, a really good textbook definition of white evangelicalism and White evangelicalism, the history of that, it's broken down in two things. So white is not referring to skin color. Mm -hmm. And I keep saying that to people. Mm -hmm. I even said that to this dude. Mm -hmm. I'm like, white has nothing to do with skin color. The white actually refers to white supremacy. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that. But I mean, I did know that because of what white evangelicalism is. But white refers to white supremacy mm-hmm. and evangelicalism, it, that refers to the politically conservative Christianity. So mm-hmm. when you put those two together, you're talking about this white supremacist conservative political Christianity. Mm-hmm. That's literally what white evangelicalism is talking mm-hmm. is referring to. Um, and we see that at play a whole bunch. Mm-hmm. Like there's a really, really good book for those of you that are readers. Read Jesus and John Wayne by Christian Dumez. Dumez. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Or it's Kobes Dumez, I'm pretty sure. Um, Jesus and John Wayne. And Jesus and John Wayne, just verifying that really quick, by Kristen Kobes Dumez. Um, and Kristen Kobes Dumez is a professor at a Christian college, but she also writes for, I think, New York Times. Mm. So a lot of her stuff is written academically. 
Um, and Jesus and John Wayne is literally a historical um, academic book that walks through the McDonaldization of the American church mm-hmm. and how um, the McDonaldization of the American church has been in bed with right-wing politics yeah. from the very get-go. Mm-hmm. Read the book. It's incredible. It talks back all the way back to Ronald Reagan, to Mark Driscoll, to current day stuff. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. And you'll see the thread of white evangelicalism throughout all of that. So again, white is referring to white supremacy. Mm-hmm. And white supremacy is the notion that um, not only is white skin superior, but white culture is superior. Um, Mm -hmm. and all that it is and then that white supremacy is literally in bed with conservative right white right winged politics so yeah I think it's important to develop that yeah because we're literally this post I posted it as a case study Mm -hmm. like that's literally it like it's a perfect case study of the damage of the damage and danger of white evangelicalism yeah and then the pushback not the not the healthy discussion yeah like there's people there was a couple people that were like not necessarily in total alignment yeah and that's not ever what we're trying like trying to draw this you know people who just agree with us yeah we had great conversations with that i um in the book, I'm not, I've actually not read it, um, but in the book, does she talk about McDonaldization? Does she use that term? She doesn't, no. Uh-uh. I really like that term. Um, I don't know exactly where you heard it, but maybe you made it up. No, it was actually, <laughs> there's a book, I don't know who it is, but it's it's literally called The McDonaldization of the Church. Yeah, yeah. I really like that term because that like makes total sense for um, giving you the picture that you know you need to have when we're talking about um, the white evangelical conservative church, however you, you know, want to describe that, um, that is what, that is what has happened. And that is why it's so bad. Um, If you think about McDonald's all across the world, it's the same. Like, that's the point. Like, it's the same menu. It's the same. We're not, they, not there's, necessarily. There's that. like, there's so cat. that's the thing is like, it looks the same. Then there's like a few things of that country incorporated in. Right. To, to like a pe- you know, appeal to them. It's a propaganda. But yeah. it's like, but it's just like, okay, yeah, there's like, there's basically all the same stuff. There's like, there's a few things of that, you know. Of, Which is rad. Of that Like you can get, sp- you can get spam in. on yeah. the menu in Hawaii. Right, right, right. So you can get like, yeah, you can get the spam in Hawaii. But but it's like, but it has to look and feel, has to be a McDonald's. Right. And you can get spam at a local shop. <laughs> yeah. you know that's better and, right. and the and the, and the the look and the feel is authentic right right 
But for some reason, like when McDonald's goes somewhere, it has to be McDonald's, right? So that's like what white man's realism is. It's like no matter where it goes, it's got to be like this. And yeah, you can do this. And yeah, we can, you know, we can sprinkle this culture in here, but it's got to be like this. This is, this is the, you know, organization. This is the, this is the McDonald's. And so that Christianity um, is what has spread. I mean, there's, there's real, real faith that has spread as well, but, but, Yes, exactly. Christianity um, that is white evangelicalism has spread in the McDonald's way. And that is what we are against. Right. What we say is is not, not of God, that we say is not, you know, it's harmful. Right. Um, it's exploitive. Yeah. And um, it's the micromanaging Mm. of are you saying the right thing are you doing the right thing are you being the right theology you know oh you're gonna get kicked out if you say that right because it has to look and feel like the mcdonald's i i was reading in my devotionals this week through ephesians and i never noticed before but paul had come back um no, no, sorry. Paul had, through the word of someone, had received word <laughs> that there was some bad theology. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting about that is Paul corrects the, the Ephesians on that bad theology. Mm-hmm. But that came after Paul going there during his missionary journey preaching the gospel, Mm -hmm. the message of Jesus, that Jesus is for all Gentiles, Mm -hmm. a radically inclusive message. Yeah. A radically inclusive message for the day. Um, All Gentiles. And Ephesus was a re, it wasn't a city, it was actually a region that included several cities. And all of those cities were Gentile cities. Mm -hmm. So Paul had raised up Gentile leaders who had encountered Christ Mm -hmm. during this time, had learned the gospel from Paul's preaching, but Paul wasn't with them for very long. Paul left. Mm -hmm. And then three years later, Paul gets word that these leaders who didn't have the best theology, who didn't have years of academic, you know, biblical studies, had literally just, these people had just had an encounter with Christ, mm-hmm. been filled with the Holy Spirit, had been taught on the essentials of mm-hmm. grace, and then Paul left him with that and was like, okay, pastor the church. Mm-hmm. Like that is so the opposite mm-hmm. of the McDonaldization of church. Mm-hmm. The McDonaldization of church, like you're saying, is this, there is this um, helicopter mm-hmm this helicopter um, pastoring. Yeah. And how often do you think, I mean, I don't know the details, but how often do you think that McDonald's brings in a team? Oh, yeah. 
to to run it. They don't hire all people from there, right? Yeah. There may be some that yeah. they eventually do, yeah. but they bring in a team yeah. to run it like they want. Right. Which is what the church does. Right. They bring in the team right. to run it like they want. Mm-hmm. Rather than McDonald's taking the, their money and their influence and their infrastructure and going into a foreign place to start something up organic from that place, mm-hmm. they bring in their own products, their own values, their own yeah, their own gospel. Which makes sense for a burger chain, okay? Yes. Like, sure, fine, whatever. Right. But not that's not church. You that's, know, that's the problem. That's exactly what like church is modeling off after a you know, a chain. Yeah. A restaurant chain like that. That is the issue. Like, I'm sure. Cool. Good for McDonald's, whatever. I don't really care. But church doesn't need to have the face and the name and the glory that it's McDonald's. Mm-hmm. McDonald's has to have that. This is a McDonald's so that they get the credit, the money, the fame. Right. For it being a McDonald's. Right. But if you go and you just plant a church that then just flourishes however it will and becomes however makes sense for that culture, no one will know it was you right. that did that. Right. No one will know who they came from or where that, like it won't match right. the church that's in Seattle. Yeah. Because no one would, it because it's not McDonald's. No one will care. No, and, and no, and you, and it wouldn't, yeah, it would never come back to you. You wouldn't be able to own it. Exactly. That's the way it's supposed to be. Exactly. You're not supposed to be able to own it. Right. And the problem, <laughs> this is literally in that book, John, Jesus and John Wayne, so I'm not just making stuff up here, but that has been the problem with white evangelicalism is not only is it spiritually, emotionally, and mentally harmful, but at its root, it thrives off of capitalism Mm -hmm. how can we gain as much capital influence yeah money yeah fame yeah off of this and if you think back to the crusades and then you in the 1500s and then you fast forward to white the you know western christianity and how western christianity white evangelicalism, really Christendom, how Christendom has impacted so many nations, Mm -hmm. has impacted Spain, has impacted India, has impacted Mm -hmm. the Americas, um, Mm -hmm. all of that stuff. If it spread without the concern of its own name Mm -hmm. and its own capital, then it would have benefited the people. But because it spread with its ma- the main concern of its own values, its own theology, its own name, mm-hmm. as in white supremacy, as in white evangelicalism, mm-hmm. then in order to sustain that, mm-hmm. in order to sustain that, there is this dogmatic policing. Mm-hmm. How's your theology? You have to... In- we're going to give you... Did you know this person lost his license over his issue? <laughs> yeah. It's the fruit gonna, of that. We're going to give you the... Hundreds s- of years later. Same scriptures, but 
but you have to we have to make sure that you're interpreting them the way that we do yeah exactly rather than just trusting that you know hey we gave them the scriptures exactly like that's crazy yeah like because a lot of people just hear and they just heard the word right Mm -hmm. they heard the word literally like hey jesus is alive you know they heard the word and it was like that was it or they encountered the holy spirit and then they needed you know they maybe needed some guidance from some things yeah but we're giving people people are literally being given the full scriptures Mm -hmm. and yet you still feel like you have to police Mm -hmm. them in that Mm -hmm. which is wow it's like they have it all written like I mean, anyone can take anything anywhere, right? Like you can make it believe, you can make anything mean what you want it to mean, et cetera. But like policing isn't the answer to that. Right. And the main thing that frustrates me, not the main thing, one of the main thing that frustrates me about white evangelicalism, it's literally just talking points. Mm -hmm. This is exactly what Trump did. Mm. Like Trump is one of the greatest examples of a modern day hypocrite Mm -hmm. because 15 years before he ran for president he lived totally opposite than all of his talking points when he ran for president so that's literally what american politics is is it's so unjust because people hop on the bandwagon of talking points Mm -hmm. and they don't even believe or embody those talking points um, so, for example, there is there there's this uh, woman senator, not against women senators, but this woman senator who her talking points have been white evangelicalism, mm-hmm. uh, and it's been flushed out through again evangelicalism ref- is referring to right winged politics. So she's been um, pro Trump, pro. Uh, the election was rigged. Mm-hmm. Um, she and I saw this post that there's been four main talking points that she's been on, which has been these talking points of right wing, you know, right wing theology. I mean, right wing politics theology. Good mm-hmm. lord. One of the other things that she was that's her on, of her main campa- main campaign is she's been anti um, anti trans. Mm-hmm. So we shouldn't be teaching about all of these things in schools Mm -hmm. trans people are a threat this and this and that um and then the last one was something else i don't i don't remember but it came out like it recently came out that her boyfriend well she got divorced which is (laughs) anti-conservative christianity Uh like there was no just cause for divorce from what we know of like there wasn't any abuse they just divorced each other Mm -hmm. um and so she got divorced not only that but the the her boyfriend that she's dating is someone who literally is the opposite of all of her talking points her boyfriend owns a bar. He's a bar owner, and at that bar, they have um, they have trivia night or bingo night for the trans community. Mm-hmm. 
literally her boyfriend embodies the exact opposite of all of her talking points. And she's at this bar. She was found at this bar at these trivia bingo nights where there's all these, you know, it's a safe place for trans people. Yeah. My whole point is, is one of the main thing that bothers me so much is people just blindly take on these talking points. Here's where it says in scripture, mm-hmm. blah, 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 fill in the blank, why we're against this mm-hmm. here. And they don't even understand why. Mm-hmm. And they become such hypocrites to people. Mm-hmm. They're At the end of the day, they are just saying things, but they really don't believe that themselves. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was, um, I think for people like you and me, that's what brought a lot of like, um, deep reflection on a lot of things is cause, um, we have been taught things we have been, um, not necessarily like brainwashed, but you know, just like there have been things that have been just talking points that we've been, we've been exposed to and we've been like kind of brought up in. Um, but then if we're honest and I know for me, that's how it is. I think sort of like that for you, but if, if I'm honest, it's like, well, I don't feel like this is the heart of God. And even though that this is some sort of talking point that's been repeated and repeated and repeated, I just don't, I just can't find myself like, um, lining up with the heart of this or lining up with the, um, like this just doesn't fit and, and being honest and being like, I don't really agree with this. I'm not just going to keep repeating it just because it's what we're supposed to say. Right. And a lot of times the people who are just deconstructing stuff are just people who are just being honest. Yeah. They're just being like, I don't really want to say things anymore that I don't think are true. Right. Um, just because it gets me that so face or it gets good. me that reputation or it gets me that glory. Right. You know? I think of, I didn't grow up in the church, but I've heard from you and a lot of our friends who have grown up in the church. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of our friends since we've been together these past 16 years, which is kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. It's common for people who grew up in the church for their parents to say, don't have sex before marriage. Mm-hmm. And then a lot of, you know, not a lot of them, but m- most of them um, ask why. Yeah. And their parents don't know why. Yeah. Yeah. It's literally just a talking point. Mm-hmm. We're taught that yeah. we don't have sex before marriage. Mm-hmm. Or a kid's being like, you know, a kid, like like a daughter being like, I I kissed my my friend, mm-hmm. uh, my, my friend who's a girl. Mm-hmm. And then the talking point is, honey, we don't, we don't kiss people of the same sex. Mm-hmm. Why? Mm-hmm. And someone might have really good reasons, but I would say 98% of white evangelicals don't know why. No, they're just like, this is what is this is supposed what pastor to be. taught us. Yeah. This is what's supposed to be said. Yeah. And yeah. going back, this is full circle. This goes back to what you're saying in the very beginning. Your goal as a Christian was to 
be right be obedient mm-hmm. be philosophically and and theologically uh integral mm-hmm. like all of those things like that was your goal mm-hmm. so the goal is i myself your goal is at the like all of those things are fall under the umbrella of self-righteousness. Yeah. The goal is self-righteousness. Yeah. I must maintain, I must conserve my self-righteousness as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, th- I think of the words from Paul. This is where, you know, the pastor kicks in, I start preaching. But I think of the words, Paul's like, our righteousness is like filthy rags. Mm-hmm. And for him... He literally was a prime case study of someone who knew how to maintain self-righteousness yeah. to the T. Yeah. All of his I's dotted, all of his T's crossed. Yeah. Perfection. It's yeah. So what he says in Galatians. I was more righteous than all of you, mm-hmm. but I consider it worth nothing. I consider it like garbage and then he goes on and says so that i may gain christ Mm -hmm. yeah and so often what the um what the correction was like we talked about how paul would kind of you know plant churches and then like basically leave them um to then go and and do is like a lot of the correction there was probably a couple times when it was, when it wasn't, but most of the time it was a correction that they were um, drifting to legalism. Exactly. Like, hey, why are you doing that when you when you're saved by grace? Exactly. Why are you starting to teach that when you're saved by grace? Yep. It was always correcting their legalism, being like, why are you doing? It? Like, yep. I told you that your righteousness is worth nothing. Why are you? Mm-hmm. Why are you holding people to that now? You're not a Jew. Yeah. You're like, why are you acting like a Jew? Right. <laughs> like, what is the point? Why? And that was always what it why was. Why are you telling people to get circumcised? Yeah. Leave people's wieners alone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it doesn't gain you any self-righteousness. Yeah. So it was always just like a, hey, you're drifting into legalism. Like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that was more often the correction that then had to go back and be told to people, not the opposite of them just being like, oh, they're off the rails, you know, like that happened, but that wasn't as often. Yeah. Um, And so I think it's, you know, it's true today that that is, Mm. um, and that is what the church has just been um, encouraged to do is drift to legalism rather than discouraged, you know? And um, this person was, um, trying to keep you in line with the their legalism so good but yeah yeah well in a minute or so what do you think the path forward is like how how do we continue to like walk and run after jesus in light of white evangelicalism what's the path forward I think partly like there are times to engage and there are times to um, disengage and ignore and to just shut, you know, walk away. Mm. Um, Like 
engaging in every argument that someone brings to you or every um legalistic like hey you know this and this and this you don't have to engage yeah and i learned that from jesus you know jesus didn't engage Mm. every time yeah sometimes he would respond and sometimes he would just change the subject yeah or walk away Mm -hmm. and it's like you don't have to engage with everyone and and i think it's 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 they have there's all these issues going on with you know white evangelical the mcdonald's church and there's a lot of issues going on with that and that can be frustrating and that can take our attention and to a degree we need to like call out those things but then on the other hand so good you can't keep getting wrapped up in those and you just need to like move forward yeah you just need to put people first and just do you yeah and they can keep doing their it's good you know their legalistic thing that they love yeah and hey just leave me out of it yeah you know like i think partly like we can't get too um distracted it's good by it the image that i get is from nehemiah now this doesn't apply like contextually to the book of nehemiah but in a way it does um if nehemiah was a parable nehemiah um they were to rebuild Mm -hmm. rebuild the walls um and they had something to rebuild in one hand and in the other hand they had a sword Mm. that was the image yeah and so i think that's how that's the image that i get when you Mm -hmm. were talking is like as we move forward we fight we protest yeah we defend people that's good we're not defending we're not fighting for you can't have just one or the other we're not defending or fighting for a dead religion Mm -hmm. or religion Mm mm-hmm our job isn't to defend Christianity. Mm-hmm. In fact, I would say people whose sole goal is to conserve Christianity don't have faith in God that he ultimately will sustain mm-hmm. his church. Yeah. I think at the bottom line, that is the greatest fear of conservative Christianity. Mm-hmm. So we fight. We fight for the right things. We fight for people. Mm-hmm. Just like Jesus fought for people Mm -hmm. um but then on the other side we build Mm -hmm. we rebuilt what has been damaged what has been broken because of what we have done Mm -hmm. that's the crazy thing is nehemiah and all of the israelites they were rebuilding what their ancestors what they were rebuilding the um from the rebellion of their ancestors. Mm-hmm. Their, their ancestors had been so, they rejected God so much that God just said, that Yahweh just said, okay, I'll give you over to what you want. And then the enemies came in and conquered them and teared down the wall and the temple. Mm-hmm. And so they literally were grieving. They, they were in the ashes and rebuilding. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what we're to do. Yeah. Most people our age are in the ashes. Yeah. Um, their faith is in the ashes. And 
it's in broken down um and our call is to partner with people all of us and to to rebuild yeah and like you like you said like can't you can't just have the sword yeah and you can't just you know have you can't just build and not have defense right you know but like you also just can't have your sword and that's it yeah like we have to rebuild and that's why i was saying what i was saying like we ought to keep going you can't just be like fighting only yeah the legalism and the yep you know the white evangelicalism we also have to just like look forward and go yeah like, I, I i will say that there are exceptions like there's going to be people who i've prayed through this i've recently been praying i'm like lord should i step down from the pastor and just give my soul attention to tearing down white evangelicalism mm-hmm. almost like a like a religious protest yeah i would love that yeah and i would be happy if the lord would give me a yes on that mm. like i would be happy to create a, a, a place where people can get healed and know the gospel and all that stuff but mm-hmm. also to fight that good fight um yeah. but there are going to be a few people who that's their sole call mm-hmm. is to have a sword mm-hmm. and then there's people who call us to not fight the fight like our friend like our dear friend lisa who was sitting in that in our dinner and I'm sharing what she said without her permission, but she essentially said like, sometimes I don't know how to fight for you, with you. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. And um, that's something she's been, um, she doesn't know how to do that. Mm-hmm. And so she's had sort of the rebuilding tool in now she wants to learn. She said, she's like, I, I, I want to learn. Mm-hmm. So she's learning how to pick up a sword and fight. So it's not like a universal law or to bring shame or anything. But the reality is, is like that. That's so good, babe. I think that is the way forward. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's go. I don't know what episode this is. I think it's like 19, 19 yeah, I 18. Think I think it's 19. Something like that. But so good. Just a preview. We have some big updates coming. And our next pod, we're going to develop that entire, we're gonna develop one one big update during the entire podcast. So we're gonna leave you hanging, full of excitement, um, cause we have some big changes in our lives as pastors. Mm-hmm. And so we're gonna develop that next time. Sounds good, babe. Love you guys. See you next time. See ya.